Welcome to the Mastering Fulfillment Podcast, where we focus on bridging your success with fulfillment in your personal, business, and spiritual life. And now your hosts, Scott Berry and Joshua Wenner. Hello and welcome. During the last few months, one of the most emotionally charged topics have been the Me Too movement. And Josh and I have had many discussions about this in the past. And obviously, it's in everyone's field that's been in the news for the last few months and shown up quite a few times in all of our practices. So we thought we dedicate an episode to the discussion of the Me Too movement. And I'll start by kicking it over to you, Josh. At the last retreat that I had, everybody got into a kind of heated, a heated debate about this Me Too movement. And uh, I thought it was interesting because there was multiple perspectives in a group. There is, and, uh, you know, some, some saying, hey, you know, we need to give more validation to this Me Too movement. Others saying, you know, I feel like I'm accused of something that I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's all these different aspects to it. So I thought it might be interesting just for us to dive in a little bit. And I, I see it from the masculine side. I see both. Like I, I got a lot more empathy for women that have been through that, that are, that get to have a voice that I think is really powerful and have a voice and feel acknowledged and feel for us to feel empathy for what they went through. And I see, I think like at least a stimulating conversation to be, cause we both studied David Dida's work and the masculine feminine and I find a lot of the men that come to the retreats, some of them have this overly masculine, like our our caveman energy, and they need to soften and go into their hearts more. I find other men have really been right. in their hearts and have strong, powerful uh, partners, and they need to step more into their masculinity, and they need to be able to tell their partner no, and they need to be able to take their partner and almost bring out that masculine energy, almost the dark masculine, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Which is yeah. to me like the yeah. focus yep. of the Me Too movement, and so I find some of the men, it's like, oh man, I can't do this even more. And so I just thought we'd go into it a little bit, and maybe talk about my observation as context. So, and, but I thought we could kind of dive in and, and go deep and get your your perspective on it, and uh, you know, we just kind of talk about it. But my 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 insight is, it's kind of context. Like if you're in a work environment and it's with an employee, where a lot of these people are are totally being out of alignment. I think there's no place for it, at least in my personal opinion. There's no place for, um, you know, being out of alignment, not, you know, what's happening, but in the context of a relationship where there's trust and there's communication and there are two partners that are, let's call it two consenting adults that have built trust, love, and compassion amongst each other. I find that as a, at least I'm speaking from the ma- masculine, right? Masculine to the feminine, because there may be other, other people listening that, um, to, to men or to women or whatever the sexes are. But I feel like from a man's perspective to a woman, like some of my hottest moments have been with the partner when I took her, when she told me no. Um, and um, I'm still checking in, if you will. Right. I'm not just uh, not like taking yep. her saying this is the way it is, but I had, we had the safety, we had the trust. I was kind of checking in as we went um, saying like, Hey, I'm, you're telling me no, but I'm feeling your body telling me yes. Like, you know, I'm not going to do anything that you're not comfortable with but I want to check in here because I'm, you're saying one thing and I'm, I'm observing, I'm feeling you in a different place. I'm feeling you like totally turned on. I'm feeling you lit up beyond belief. I'm watching you squirm 
because you're all turned on and you're saying, no, 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 but she wanted to shower or whatever the context was. So, and I just kept checking and kept checking in. And then we ended up in this particular moment of being intimate. And the next, she's like, I'm so grateful. Thank you for opening me, if you will. And it, it was, so yeah. again, I, I, yeah. I, I think it's a fine line between how do you, which on the Me Too, I would have been violating her, right? She was telling me no, and I was suggesting we go further, but it opened her. So it's just, it's a, there's a counterintuitive here, right? Uh, and then there's the other side of it of men who are violating women who tell them no, that it's totally inappropriate, or they're using their jobs, or they're using their career, or they're using whatever to do it. And it feels more like a take energy. And maybe this is it. I don't know. So yeah. I'll, I'll kind of share a little bit more and then get your insights on the, on, on it. But uh, one of my intuitions is, is, is it a take or is it a give? And uh, for me, the, the take feels like a lot of times people more about themselves and, and getting something from it. To me, that experience felt like I was giving. I was opening her and me. Uh, so it felt more of my energy was feeling into what she needed and me giving her what she needed, even though it felt like a, breaking boundaries. I feel like she, she was asking me to open her. So again, I just wanted to bring up this topic cause it's super heated and I, we can go into Tony. We can go into a lot of things around it cause he's been a highlight of it, but I wanted to get your perspective on it in general. Yeah. It's a, it's a super heated. It's a, it's, it's a hot topic right now for sure. Um, and I, I think as a society that there's a lot of benefit <clears throat> to the light in which is being shined upon it because there's obviously a lot of abuse and over oppression from the oppressors to women in, in certain respects. And we're going to talk a lot about masculine and feminine dynamics in this conversation and masculine and feminine, just like Josh said, could be man or woman, but for the most part, most women kind of kind of go into their, their feminine and most men kind of go into the masculine. So I'm going to, I'm going to take it from that standpoint. So I do think for the people who have been abusing it, and, and I, I don't think it is a large percentage by any means, but I think it's a, a big enough number that there needs to be a spotlight on it. And so I'm, I'm, really, I'm really grateful for, for that spotlight mm-hmm. and, and for the voice that has come up because of it. And then the permission that has come up because of it, my, my cautious optimism is that I'm, I'm hoping that the bounce back from this is one of empowerment and the fine line that we're, that we're walking is that the high percentage of men who are the good men, and I, and, and I, I think in, in my core heart that that's the, the vast majority of men are, are good men and you know, they, they want to do right to their feminine sisters, um, that there's a little bit of over-cautiousness that may impede them from uh, either A, fully stepping into their masculine for fear of uh, offending or stepping over boundaries, or there is this fear of, you know, us almost going backwards. And so I, th- I think as a society, we, we've kind of gone through these kind of, uh, we go through these stages, you know, and, and if you look at the women's movement, you know, and, you know, the women's 
right to vote and having voice, I do think that that was absolutely necessary. One of the, I would say, side effects from that came from a lot of really good men who have been very scared to step into their, their, their normal masculinity. And that is to, you know, be a leader, to make decisions, to lead and to lead in an intimate relationship, right? Not necessarily their business and other work environments, but to really lead in the relationship. And I can tell you from personal experience, from my practice and from the conversations I have probably on a weekly basis that I hear this from women more than men is that they are craving, craving men to step the fuck up. And I say that a little bit boldly, but for men to step up and lead the relationship, men to make hard decisions, to when there's some ambiguity in the relationship and the direction that you grab your woman's hand and say, I'm not exactly sure where we're going, but grab my hand. I'm going to make a decision and we're going to figure this shit out together. And there is this fear that we're going to make the wrong move or we're going to overstep our boundaries or we're going to say the wrong thing. And so we default to this whole thing of being equal. Right, right. When the women's movement came out, uh, a lot of men stopped opening the door for women, and you know they were afraid of offending women, of you know getting the 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 lashing out of, hey, uh, I can open my own door, thank you very much. And I know that I was part of that. I remember I dated a girl who I opened up the door, and she got a little bit offended. And probably the next three or four women, I didn't open up their door because I just. You know, I didn't pull out their seats. I didn't open their door for them because I thought that would actually be rude. Until what, I, what did she get offended by? I want to hear that a little bit more first. I can do this myself. I don't need you to do that for me. Ah, oh, I'm strong enough. I can do that myself. I don't need a man to open up my door. I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't say anything at the time. I was, I was pretty young. And so I didn't step up and say, oh, well, you know, I was just trying to be nice and, and, and I hear you and I understand. I was like, oh, okay. And it, and it really hit me. And so for the next few intimate encounters that I had, like long, long-term girlfriends, I never opened up the door until I had a woman who actually would speak her mind. And now that I think about it, the two before were probably thinking, why doesn't this guy open up the door? But they didn't want to say anything and they didn't want to rock the boat. And I think you know, a lot of this stems from asking for what we want in a in a really deep and genuine way. And so, this is part of the, what I about what the Me Too movement that I actually do like is that that women are starting to get voices. And so, ultimately, I'm hoping that we get clear on, you know, what is it that we want as a woman and as a male society and as a female society, and 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 how we come together in total, and. You know, one of the one of the hardest things that I've seen in my practice is the fact that women are just really asking for men to really lead and to really step up and to make decisions, and you know, for men to really step into their masculine power. Right when you you know pursue the woman, ask her out. You know, most of the time they want to be pursued. Not not always, but a lot of times they want to be pursued. When you have a date. Go pick them up. Don't ask. I am going to pick you up. 
unless unless you would rather me. But just assume that you're going to go out of your way for him. And and I think that we've lost a little bit of this chivalry, and I'm seeing this start to come back. And it's the one thing that women are asking. They're just like, I just want men to really step up. And then on the flip side, men appreciate a woman who can take care of themselves, but at the same token, they want a woman who can be in their feminine and take care of themselves. And a lot of times there's this equation of women stepping into their masculine, being the doer, being the go-getter, being the breadwinner, being whatever it happens to be, but losing a little bit of their feminine essence. And so what I'm asking, what I'm hoping is that we're ultimately going to get back into what our essence is, but we're doing it with respect and we're doing it with dignity and we're doing it with love. Um, and so you know, we're at a precipice right now. I, I don't know where this is going to lead. And I'm really hoping that it, it, it doesn't pull us back in a way that creates everybody as equal, equal voice. Absolutely. But I think it's, it's not equal roles. And, and, and I don't think we want to be in a place where they're equal roles, right? There's no dynamism uh, in intimate relationship when, when, when things are equal, it's, 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 the, it's the off balance of the masculine-feminine dynamic. It's the polarity which really causes sexual spark and intimacy and just attraction in general. So, you know, um, that's, you know that's just some of the things that I'm seeing. Um, and I'm curious, what, what are you seeing uh, as far as the men who have been going to your retreats? Because I know this is a hot topic, especially for men that are dating right now and they're, and they're coming into women. It's like, there's a, there's a hesitation, you know, do I, do I stand up and and to be my true authentic loving self as a masculine man, or do I pull back because I'm afraid, right? I'm, I'm afraid to ask you out. I'm maybe afraid to hire this, you know, this woman intern. So I'll I'll hire a man or whatever it happens to be. What are you seeing out there? Yeah. You know, I I find it's, and I liked all the, the Ray, you talked about um, the variety of the masculine, feminine, and the different roles, and I, I completely agree with that. Uh, I find again, it's it's kind of fifty fifty. I find it depends on the background of the man and what he's working through. But I find a lot of the history. It all comes down to like the wounded child in men, and sometimes it's in our mothers, and sometimes it's with our fathers, and sometimes we weren't accepted and we don't have a voice. But I find a lot of the men shut down, shut down certain parts of them. So it's kind of like I could talk about two sides because I find there's like two sides. I find there's one, there's the one-sided man who's kind of overly aggressive, if you will. Uh, and um, how would I describe it? You know, I, I would say primarily, here's the primary pattern I see. And maybe it's just because the retreats, men that are willing to look at themselves and to do vulnerable work are maybe a little bit different than the average man. Um, I think that they have a certain uh, openness to being vulnerable. Uh, sensitive sensitiveness, uh, which probably allows them to, to go there and do the work, even though I have a whole mix of how strong the men, like physical versus emotional, it's kind of a, a wide spectrum. But yeah. an underlying pattern that I've seen is it's a lot of uh, a lot of passive aggressive energy, meaning it's a lot of the energy of um, I don't I don't want to rough her feathers or just kind of what you described in the in the open the door, but I see it in different contexts, meaning. Yeah, I see it as they're angry. Something happens and triggers them, but they may be like, I'm thinking of one man who 
grew up and hated his father and his father was an asshole and had all this anger and treated people horribly, including his wife, his, his mother cheated on her, did all these things. So he associates his anger with his father. So a lot of times when he would get angry, he would shut that part of him down so that he, cause he didn't want to become out of, came from a place of love out of not wanting to be his father and not wanting to put his hands on his, his girl or anything else. But the irony is in shutting that side of him down, he became passive aggressive, which actually showed his partner that she couldn't trust him because she's like, you should be mm. mad, but you're not mad. What's like something I yeah. can't trust here. So a lot of the work that we're doing or he's doing is getting into his heart, connecting with how he's feeling, allowing himself to express it. So if he's angry, he can be angry. If he's sad, he's sad. Like if he cries, he cries. So, so allowing himself to go, there's kind of the, the training wheels, if you will. Yeah. And, and then transmuting that energy. So, okay, well, I'm mad. How do I transmute this into passion or how do I, how do I, how do I Aikido this energy, work with this energy, but not suppress it? So a lot of the work we're doing at the retreats is unsuppressing energy, which ties back to, to family patterns. Yeah. So um, I think of that guy and then I think of his relationship. I, I knew her as well. What she was craving, she was a really strong, powerful woman. And I could sense it a mile away. I could just feel that what, what she was craving him to take her. And she would shut down by almost kind of uh, emasculating him a little bit, if you will. Yeah. And, and then that was like a test as it was a, exactly what it was. It was a test, yep. but in his mind, it would trigger him and he would shut down even further. And what yeah. he needed to do was take her and tell her no. And yep. literally that's what she was craving is like somebody to override her defense mechanisms. Cause she's stuck in it and she can't yep. get out of it. And yep. she's craving him mm-hmm. to say, when she treats him mean, say we're doing this or just walk in the door and take her. And she says, no. And he says, and he keeps her there. And then she melts because she's like trying to get out of herself and she wants, she's in a too masculine of a place and she's like, she's stuck in it in a sense. And she needs him to override that. But it's, again, this is where I go back to the me too, because I think you touched on a lot of, a lot of things of like, I, I'm very supportive of the movement and I'm very supportive of bringing these things that have been in the dark to light. And I'm very supportive of women feeling the empathy and acknowledgement that they need to validate their experience. Um, so that they can heal their core wounds. Because I think a lot of men have created core wounds for women. And I think honoring themselves and 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 having a voice and having a movement around this is, is very valid. So I'm not taking away from the movement by any sense. Uh, however, I like the and part of it because, again, the, the irony is what I'm finding is men is what they need the most, at least the men I'm seeing in the retreats, is permission to cross that boundary. Is, yeah is permission to be fully present and feel whatever's there and uh, risk conflict, if you will. Um, And the irony is, so I I guess that's where it comes from. It's almost like I'm thinking of another man and he was getting, I'll just give a couple examples. And I think this might ground it in. I I was thinking of another man who he was, uh, again, he grew up in a very unstable household and his mom was an alcoholic and bipolar and depressed and all the, like all this crazy stuff would lock the kids in the room and just all this drama. And his father was always gone. And so now years later, he has a wife and he has a child and his wife's yelling at the, at the child and it brings him back to his childhood. Right. So he's triggered by that. And, and so that's one of the things he was struggling with. And then they end up getting in fights, right? Cause he's like, gosh, she's angry. She doesn't realize she's yelling. And so one of the areas that we, suggested is why don't you empower the child to go oh mom's doing the best she can like so instead of trying to change her instead of making her wrong 
instead of getting triggered by it, how do you fully accept her dark and fully accept her light and just reframe what that means to the child and you? So, right. so finding again, I, I find that's a lot of it is like, oh, how does if she's anger, maybe you grab her or, or when she is angry, how do you find really loving ways to, to show her or to kiss her or to give her attention or whatever it is. But again, totally different context. But what he was doing was shutting down. Like, oh, he would shut down and, um, you know, go do other stuff because he's like, I can't process this, and, and which to me wasn't present. So how do you get in your heart? How do you face it? Um, how do you stand in it? How do you grab her and say, hey, and then what he actually talked about is it's when she gets almost like she's taking on too much. Uh, I think kind of what you said earlier and is kind of like stressed out and hasn't taken time for her is when it shows up. So when you notice it, be present sooner, notice it and say, hey, I'm going to take, I'm going to take her. You know, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take a little girl and I'm going to, I'm going to go get her ready. And I think she was also saying she would, uh, his daughter would say, I want mommy, I want mommy. So he would kind of shut down. And and again, it was the hurt male ego feeling like, oh, I'm not loved and accepted instead of saying, no, I'm your father. And again, so I guess this is the context of his daughter, if you will, um, being able to tell his daughter, no, I'm your father. I'm going to get you ready for school or I'm going to take care of this. Right. Uh, mommy needs a break. And, and and doing it in a loving, masculine, almost like not assertive, but um, confident way. Like, look, I love you, but you know, dad's going to take care of it right now. Yeah, totally. And I think that, so again, I think this all revolves around the movement because that's a very similar thing as, oh, oh my daughter wants mommy. I don't want to disturb her versus step into your heart, step into your masculine, step into your balls, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Right. And do yeah. it from a yeah, loving, absolutely. supportive, gentle place. But the man, the masculine feels into his heart what we need and we're, we're willing to risk conflict. We're willing to do what's right in the face of adversity. And I think so that pattern of whether it be sexual intimacy to open our partners, whether it be boundaries, hey, I, I, I'm not going to be treated like this, whether it be leaving a relationship, whether it's going all in, whether it's being present. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of different contexts of how it shows up, but I have seen this common pattern where men, oh, another one is they don't, they don't create healthy boundaries. Um, so again, I just, I just think uh, in tying it back, I think that it all comes down to core wounds. Oh, and a big point that I want to make is I'd say over 50% of the men that come to my retreats have had some, for, some sort of sexual abuse, whether it be by man or woman, regardless of their sexual preference. So with, as, a, as a victim, as a victim. Yeah. So what's really interesting yeah, yeah. to me is there's such a high number of men that I didn't realize have had it. That's, I think it's very similar to women. And I don't think a lot of women realize <clears throat> that for what we've gained from our retreats is the hurt, hurt, the hurt. So, you know, uh, they're trying to hurt people to, to validate their hurt. So my feeling would be the men that are kind of the perpetrators are probably been really wounded as children and probably highly sexually abused or, some sort of violent trauma where they're replaying out that trauma because they've suppressed it and they're becoming it. So I, it doesn't validate it. doesn't make it right. doesn't by any means, but what it's given me is the insight of like, Oh, these men, I feel like are hurt as well, which is why they're hurting. And I feel like there needs to be more awareness to us being gentler and resolving our past and, you know, shifting that energy. Uh, so, so do you, so do you think in, in that example that, it's interesting, and I don't know the answer to this, but I'd love to get your feedback. Do you think that through this movement, um, because I have seen little hashtags of, of some men, you know, doing like Me Too, where, yes, hey, you know, like, here's my story, and, you know, I was abused, like, I'm Me Too, but it almost felt like it was for women, 
and that it wasn't necessarily, hey, Me Too is for the empowerment of the victims, if you will, but more like it's for men, or I'm, I'm sorry, it's for women. So do you think that the Me Too movement is actually helping because it's shedding more light onto the perpetrators and to uh, people that have been victims? Or do you feel like, wow, because I'm a man now, and there's all this voice about the women who have had these struggles that um, who am I to say anything? And it almost puts them in the shadow a little bit more. So I feel like it could either could either like really help or actually suppress it in one way or another. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Actually, there was a pretty heated debate at the last retreat. And what happened was one of the men was very for women's empowerment and the empathy to allow women to have a voice. And another man at the table was really triggered by that. And he's like, I didn't do anything. And why am I being blamed? Um, yeah. And it was a whole heated debate. I mean, it was very, it was interesting how heated it got, but I was able to just observe both perspectives and see, and what I see it is again, behind, behind, if you look beneath it, the man that was feeling very triggered, what I saw beneath that for him was, I mean, he had some, again, everybody's got their own story as a child and some of the shame he'd gone through, uh, I think he was constantly looking for love and attention and this just made it that much harder to, he was now being blamed for something he felt like he didn't do necessarily, even though it's men in general. And I think it was, was for women in general, the Me Too movement. I don't think it's any victim. I think it's more women focused is at least my observation. Yeah. But it, it, it seemed like it triggered him because he's like, he's already trying to get love and attention and connection and struggling with it. And and now it's like he gets blamed for something which he feels like he didn't do, um, which he feels like he's getting kicked. So, right. so it's just interesting. It's an interesting well, perspective, I, right? I think that's where you know, and I think that's where some of the, you know, some of the the anxiety and the stress out of this whole movement in Africa has come from. It's 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 shifted from um, giving a voice to the victims, right? The female victims, but victims to just women in general, and because of that, it's created almost like a little bit of this polarity of, no, we're here to shine a spotlight on the perpetrators who happen to be men, the men perpetrators. But then the line got blurred a little bit to just men, right? So it's it, it's really interesting how it kind of went from perpetrator to victim, who happens to be some female, happens to be some male, to women and men. And so there's this feeling that a lot of men that they have to walk on eggshells. And I feel like in some respect, it, it's throwing the movement of what women are really wanting. And that's for a, a man to, to, to really come into their own and, 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 and live their masculine self and do it in a way that is, is very loving, like to take their woman in a very intimate way. And, um, you know, I get this quote from David Ada is fuck her open to God. Right, and women are craving being fucked open to God through their love, taking them with their love, and you know, when you think about like my masculine or my feminine, like when you think about on an intimate um, scenario, when you think about just fantasies, do you fantasize about being taken by somebody? Or do you fantasy about taking somebody and not in a, in a consensual way, but, but in a way that's loving, right? And, you know, and those are the, you know, the two dynamics of masculine, feminine. And 
what I have noticed with women is that women will test their man and really push and push and push and push because they want to make sure that he's strong enough, that he's masculine enough to step up into the relationship, to lead the relationship, to step into the family dynamic, to protect the family, to lead the family and all of that. And so, um, you know, I just, I, I think that's where a lot of the, the anxiety comes from is, uh, you know, a lot of these, you know, good men um, feel like they're being blamed for something that they didn't do, even though that they have lots of uh, empathy, if you will. So it, it's a very interesting time right now. And, you know, my wish, and, you know, I, I say this with, with, with so much conviction is that, I do love the fact that there's a voice and that there's something being heard, but what's going to make the difference as to what happens with this and how much positive impact this actually carries on is going to be the support structure that happens after, right? And that's actually what has happened, should be happening right now is like, yes, you said your voice. Yes, you've got everything off your chest. Yes, you know, there's been a spotlight. Cool. Now that you've you know, had a chance to heal, what are you going to replace that with? It's this whole analogy of whenever you do any kind of deep work, you know, I'm sure you've seen this in your, in your clients and um, in your retreats is that when you work with something to, to, to really unblock and to really bring up uh, maybe a, a pattern or behavior that isn't necessarily serving, it takes a lot to, to really bring that to the surface. Right. And then once you bring that to the surface, it's like, cool. That's off my chest. Now, what are you going to fill it in with? You know, what are you going to reinforce it with? And it's it's going to be what it's going to be whatever's in that environment. And hopefully, if it's a supportive enough environment, that that's actually what is going to help propel this movement and these people into a more empowered state. Right? It's a whole analogy of when you dig a hole it's going to be filled in by the first available thing. And a lot of times that's the same stuff. So a lot of times what you see in a lot of these movements, you know, whether it's the black Lives matter or, you know, anything or the 1% is a lot of times you'll see a voice and there's lots of spotlight, but the follow through doesn't have enough resources after it. And there's just not a lot that gets done after it. It's like, yes, there's a voice. Yes. There's something that happens, but um, maybe not the positive uh, results happened because there wasn't um, like a strong enough or supportive enough environment to to nurture that as it goes. Yeah, man, I t- I totally agree. I think that's I think it's interesting where where it'll hold and where it'll take. And I think I think it's just bringing light the conversation, you know, and kind of like what we're doing now is talking about when it's okay and when it's not okay. And I think it also comes down to like. Most men were not taught how to be men. <laughs> so yeah. we're not taught like a lot of men don't grow up with father figures or there's, you know, uh, mother figures or whatever the energy is. So a lot of men are still learning it. And they say, you know, typically your father's your relationship to money and your mother's relationship to uh, women. Um, again, if that's, your, oh, I never if that's that. your preference. So your drama around your relationships typically, uh, you know, is tied to your mother's energy and the drama between you guys. And, making money is typically tied to the father energy. So it's just interesting observing that. And when I think about it, a lot of the men are like, man, I didn't have a father. I was never told that somebody loved me or whatever that energy. And, and 
I can see how that shows up in relationships or with healthy boundaries or whatever that looks like. And the same thing with, um, I think, uh, mothers, you know, what's the relationship with the mother? It's either overly smothering sometimes or, or not enough and it can create different energies. So again, I think we're all learning how to be and, and the more awareness we can have, it may be even interesting, a fun podcast to go really deep in that whole subject you mentioned. Would you say like, fuck me open or fuck me wide open or what, what was the topic of that? Yeah. Fuck me open to love. Fuck me open to God. You know, that might be an interesting topic of like going deep into that whole subject and what's the, you know, how do you, how do you show up in the light? How do you explore the dark and the light? You know, like yeah. how do you explore the boundaries yeah. of what that looks like? And how do you do it in a loving, safe, supportive way where you're yep. opening your partner? Cause to me, and I, it's interesting because I got on a topic with a bunch of guys on another guy's call and there's, everybody's talking about porn and their background porn. And I think there's varying degrees of how far guys have gone down the rabbit hole, either sexually or visually or whatever that experience is. And I think that plays a part too, you know? So it's just yep. an interesting conversation around it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that whole fuck me open to God uh, scenario and, and being taken um, is really big. And I think that's a whole separate conversation because there's a whole uh, foundation that needs to be built upon before you can really get to that place. But I think ultimately that's, that's what we all want. You know, ultimately I want to be able to take my woman um, with my love, channeling my higher heart love into her um, and just taking her and, um, you know, on a really beautiful level, but, but on a deep masculine level. Right. And and there's a, there's an interesting um, intertwinement between the, uh, the light and the dark, but still being supported by love, if you will. So let me ask you this through your, you know, I guess your personal feedback and then your encounters that you have with other men as well. How are you seeing this trickle into the dating scene? Have you, have you started to see any effects? Are you a little bit more cautious now? Or do you feel like part of your job now is to show up even more with love and to show up with a more of a loving voice for men as you you know, encounter new women and enter into the dating scene? Or do you feel like I got to, I got to actually control temper and, and put a little bit of a lid and suppress a little bit about who I am and my masculinity until things start to cool down a little bit, which in my opinion doesn't benefit either party, but what are you seeing out there? Yeah. You know, I, and I guess I'm probably kind of my own, my own space with it, but I have, I, I really enjoy the, I really enjoy the courting process. I'm, I, and I think, I think part of it is like uh, over time, like I mentioned earlier, I'm 38. I think we get to know ourselves the older we get. And I think I've been on a deep journey of loving myself and the deeper I love myself, the more I accept my dark and my light. And so I, my experience is the more I'm able to be so I, I guess in the dating scene, the less expectations I have, the more I just show up and explore it. And uh, I really enjoy the courting process. So for me, uh, I'm very old fashioned when it comes to picking. Uh, you mentioned some things earlier and it's very similar. I enjoy it. And that's how I know if I'm in residence with somebody, because if I'm not enjoying going out of my way, it's not the right fit and I shift things. So to me, the dating process is, am I enjoying, uh, like I'm, 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 I'm enjoying right now. There's, there's a woman that lives like, 30, 40 minutes away from me. And I've gone on a couple dates and 
I enjoy going to get her and taking her out. <laughs> so I'll literally drive 40 minutes to pick her up. And one day I drove back to Topanga uh, where I was staying and we explored and hiked around the whole day. And then I drove her back to where she was at. And to me, I enjoyed the time in the car, picking her up and going there and dropping her off. And so I guess from it, but I'm, uh, I guess there's varying levels to get to the place of that darks, like we mentioned earlier. So to me, it's, it's vast off in the future, if that makes sense. So there's, and I guess there's multi, there's varying degrees. There's some times in the dating scene where it's just play and it's fun and uh, people can go deep like that and, and kind of expand open. But I guess to kind of tie it in, I don't, I don't see any backlash from that on the dating scene. I'm going to keep doing what I'm going to do. And I, I'd actually be really surprised if somebody didn't like me opening the door, I would already probably say it's probably the wrong fit just where I'm at mm. with it. Because yeah, to me, I really enjoy that process of it makes me feel like a man to be able to uh, treat a, uh, a woman with respect like that. It makes me feel like I like to stand on the side of the road. Like I'm particular about if there's traffic, I like to start on the side of the street. I like to pull the chair back. I like to take her jacket off. Like there's all these little things that I, I enjoy and it brings me fulfillment. And so if, if those things, if I wasn't, if I was doing something wrong, I would feel like it's not against my grain and we just wouldn't be the right fit. And, um, so on the same sense, I like, it takes me a lot for my boundaries to come to feel safe enough and have enough communication where I can explore, uh, that, but I would say I like having the freedom to be the more dominant, uh, uh player, if you will, where yeah. I have the freedom to open us. So I have realized that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, I don't know if I answered your question fully. I'm still discovering it. I'm still dating. I'm still working through it. I ultimately want a partner, um, that I can live with life. I'd love to love a family, but I've also realized, and I think through some of our conversations that the partnership's the most important part. And, uh, a large part of my journey has been surrendering my expectations, <laughs> which has been totally, uh, an interesting one. Um, but I'm finding them more fulfilled because before I had a very rigid, um, window of what I was open to. So I was like, Oh, I want children. So she has to be this age and this and this. And now I've really gotten to the place where I'm like, you know what? I, I, I surrendered again, back to God, like saying that mantra every day. I think now I'm at a place where like, you know what? I totally down the, I surrender my expectation of what that's going to be. And I'm excited to see who shows up. And if at the time the partner shows up and we can't have kids and I'm supposed to still have kids, then maybe I'm supposed to adopt. And maybe I'm supposed to, you know, like I'm, I'm looking at yeah. it from a different yeah. where you asked me five years ago or three years ago or two years ago, there would have never even been in my consciousness. I'll be like, Nope, this is the only way. This is the rigid way. Yeah. And now I'm getting to a place of total surrender and acceptance of kind of what the path is. And uh, even potentially maybe not to have kids, which I've never even thought was an option. So I'm just kind of taking it day by day and really removing expectations, which is uh, again, back to fulfillment. That's what's bringing me fulfillment with dating and, and, um, and it, and it also takes, I think one other thing is in the past, I'll bring this up. I used to be very focused on like, oh, this is like very, very much taking somebody somewhere. That makes sense. Influencing it. Like, oh, this woman's physically attractive or beautiful or whatever's going on. And so I wasn't yeah, present yeah. with who they were and our connection and the flow and the energy or any of those things. Instead, I was much like taking it somewhere and then later on we would discover like, Oh, does this work or not later on? So now I'm spending a lot more time observing the connection, observing the, uh, resonance, observing if there's flow, observing some of my old patterns, my dark side, which is like, Oh, is this woman emotionally available? Is she not? Am I feeling more open and inspired with her energy? 
Am I not inspired? Like what's showing up? And I spend a lot more time feeling into that and allowing things to, to progress versus in the past, it was very much like a quick taking this somewhere. So I'm just sharing it because it's totally different than what I thought a dominant, strong, masculine man needed to look like. I thought a dominant, strong, strong man was like, you see the woman, you grab her, you take her, you, it's very much kind of in the moment. And what I'm discovering is I'm finding more value in, in the slow, steady uh, unraveling, if you right. will, which it feels very feminine. It feels counterintuitive to a dominant, strong, masculine man. But what I'm finding is I have to be more in my masculine. I have to be more in my heart. I have to be more, pre- I have to be present to feel and actually see who this person is and to see if there's resonance, see if there's connection, te- check in with my body, check in with her body. What does she need? Are we connected? Are we not? Or, or is she emotionally unavailable? Is she emotionally available? Is she treating me with respect? Is she, like, am I treating her with respect? Am I inspired? Am I not inspired? Like I, all those questions, it allows me to feel into, to connect with and uh, allow it to kind of unfold, if you will, which I feel, uh, at least me, which is however I'm wiring, it, it's allowing me to uh, be more present to what's what's really there. So yeah, it's kind of a long way to, but I think again, it's, so it's kind of honoring the me too movement. It's honoring, respecting women, a partner. Um, it's not trying to take, it's trying to give, it's, it's wanting to give more and more and feel into that and follow the flow of the energy and trust whatever the connection is. And if it's there, I'm so, I have such a dominant masculine side. It naturally comes, comes apart. It naturally shows up. Um, I don't have to force it. So I don't know. I kind right. of went all over the place, but I didn't know if that. No, and 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 you know, and 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 thank you for sharing that. I, I love what you just said about that. Is you know, my my wish is that there there gets to to be a point to where you know the the feminine through this whole movement is is really starting to be seen and to be heard for what they truly want, but still allowing the man to respond to that in their core essence. And um, I, I think that's my biggest fear is that, um, you know, we, we get jaded because we become blamed or we're so fearful of overstepping boundaries or offending or whatever it happens to be. And it sounds like this kind of new found uh, way in which you're kind of approaching relationships, right? You're, you're, you're listening more. You're still in your masculine, even though you're tapping into your feminine a little bit more, but you're still in your masculine, you're still leading and, you know, you're still being chivalrous and all of that, but you're, you're doing it from a little bit of a different perspective than what you thought. You know, I think sometimes as our journey as a man, that sometimes we think part of our masculinity means this just hard pushing through conquering and a lot of times that's what's necessary to get the business deal going or to, you know, get over this one significant emotional event. Maybe that's a death in the family or something that's rattled the family. And it's like, okay, we got we to gotta push through this in order to survive, right? It, it's what you need to survive, but it's not always uh, sustaining, if you will. But um, you're learning a different direction to do it. And I, I feel like as long as you are true to your core, then ultimately, not only are you going to be happier, but your woman is going to be much happier. And like you said, it's like, look, I want to be there for my woman. I want to take care. Like to me, I want to lead. And if the woman that I'm with, she wants to lead, then we're not a fit. And 
you being true to yourself will show up that way in the relationship. And if it's not a compatibility, then you guys will be pulled in a different light. You guys will be shifted from an intimacy place to a different place or no place at all faster. But it won't align you with something that's not meant to be, that's not going to be there to support your highest heart. And ultimately, that's what you want. We don't want to be in these mediocre relationships. It's, it's one of the big things that come up in my practice all the time where like there's just this, you know, the 60 percentile of satisfaction of like, wow, it's good, but it's not great. And I, and I don't, I'm not starting to feel self-actualized in my relationship. And it's because they're not being true to what they really want and being able to, uh, to fully communicate what that is to their partner. Um, and I like what you said earlier. It's like, I, I'm learning how to kind of shift my, my expectations now of, of what that happens to look like when I'm looking for a partner. Um, I've got this really great saying <laughs> in my practice is that, you know, I have, a, I work with a lot of people who are looking to call in their ultimate partner. And, and I have to remind them, I go, you're looking for your ultimate man. Or you're looking for your ultimate woman to compliment you. You're not looking for the ultimate checklist. And that's really tough sometimes, especially when we've had our sights set on, well, I want this many kids and I want this. And it's like, you'd never want those specific things. You don't necessarily want kids or, you know, to live out in the forest or live in the city or whatever it happens to be. You want the feelings you think that those things are going to be associated with. And it's good to have an idea of what we want and to, to, to move, you don't want to be too ambiguous, but we don't want to be too locked in to what that might look like. I've, I can't tell you how many people that I've known and, and, and even myself when I was dating, I can't tell you how many times I've dated somebody and there was just something missing, but on paper, it looked fantastic. And people would constantly tell me, they're like, I, I'm not sure why you guys aren't getting married. Everything looks great. And that would even make it harder for me to shift the relationship because I'm trying so hard, even though in my heart of hearts, I know that this isn't quite compatible. And and I just kind of know that if I'm really real with myself, that this isn't the one for me. And I'm, I'm trying too hard to put a round pig in a square hole. So, you know, really stepping back and, and to not be as, as hard and forceful, with some of these expectations just allows us to flow more effortlessly as we start to move through the dating process and connect with people. So, I mean, ultimately I'm hoping that this movement helps us get to that place, you know, and, and and helps us get to the place where whoever our, our core self is that we're able to find and interact with, um, other people in the opposite sex that complement that, whether it's in an intimate way or non-intimate way. So, um, yeah. So I, you know, I was just curious on, you know, thank you for sharing your process and, you know, I didn't know what, what, what other men were doing as well. Um, but this is also, I think, you know, for any men listening to really get clear and, you know, maybe in the meantime, like we, we go a little bit overboard to make sure that the women that we're interacting with feel safe. And maybe it takes uh, you know, a little more communication to make sure they feel safe, um, but still always doing it in the context of honoring who their core is. Always, 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 always. But maybe as of right now, we do it with just 
a little more conviction and a little more sensitivity and a little bit more love. And then for women, um, to be a little more patient with us and to uh, really allow us to understand that it's okay to be a man and that it's okay to be masculine and that it's okay to lead and that's okay to do these things that, that, that you're ultimately wanting um, and to have a little bit of patience with us as well. So, yeah, I agree. And also like the buildup, almost every guy I know, it's literally as simple as a dog. Uh, we're conditioned with what we do right. And so we want to win. We want to, we want to feel like we did a good job. We want to be the heroes. That, that that's a masculine trait. We want to be the hero. Uh, and also somebody had said recently, or is it their quote or something? I saw that basically said, you know, can you, a lot of times women will point out when you screw up all the time, but they don't point out all the time when you do good. So it's almost like, what if you just flip mm-hmm. that? If you're going to say what I didn't do right, what if you said all the things I did right all the time? It's like, oh, you did this, you did this, you did this. It would kind of balance out. So it's just just mindful things and the guys could continue to step it up. I think there's always another level. Uh, and we talk a lot about the little boy when the little boy comes out. You know, somebody reacts, something happens, they react and they blow up. And it's like, oh, I, I, it was a child again. You know, how do I step into my heart, be more loving, be more gentle, and also lead from that place, uh, make decisions, decide for the family, you know, uh, decide, decide from feeling into serving her. So it doesn't come from a selfish decision. It comes from a feeling into what's needed for both partners and creating experiences and creating things to make it easier or simpler for, for both. And yeah, I agree. I yeah. think also another thing yeah. is the variety on both partners, you know, stepping it up to take more and create more variety um, is big. What does that mean? Well, I just see a lot of times there's the law of familiarity that I hear quite a bit with men and they get oh, into yeah. partnerships and they do the same thing every day and, and they, they don't change it up. So how do we get more creative and plan more nights out or fun activities or fun things to do or dress ups or costumes, or there's a lot that we could do if we just create. And also on the same, I think for women is the variety can come in intimacy or come with how a woman is um, like, we don't, we don't, men, we don't have a lot to change. <laughs> you know, we could change like uh, a suit to a shirt. Like there's three or four different ways we change, you know, it's like with women, they can almost look totally different. A lot of them, um, just from slight changes of their hair or this or that. And I find like that variety, it, it helps bring spice to the relationship um, just as much as it, with a man is showing up and creating new experiences or making decisions on where they're going to go or planning different activities where they plan it out. It's, it's kind of like different partners ways of, of adding variety. And um, I'm just speaking from personal experience when I've, I've had a relationship and I've stepped it up and I've been doing it. I notice if, if my partner is always the same, I'm still admire her. But a lot of times I, I was dating one woman in particular had this amazing, beautiful hair and she always wore it the same way. And then I would see her do like Facebook lives. And I was like, <laughs> you know, like it, it was just interesting for me as an observation of, um, of that variety. And I feel like it's different ways that we both show up to the relationship. Um, and that's one way that we can both show up and bring variety and spice. You know, women, it's almost like their adornments or their clothing or their style or whatever, whatever the look is. And it, I don't think as men, it has to look a certain way. Again, a woman can look very sexy with glasses on and her hair in a ponytail just as much as she can getting like, so to me, I don't think it is the what I think it's just the change or the variety that brings stimulation. If you will, yeah. it, feels, it feels new. Yeah, I think it's, it's almost the, like, Oh I think, yeah, I think it's, the, I think it's the change. And also just 
a, a little bit of the attention to um, dressing up the feminine a little bit because a little bit goes a long way. Like you're right. It doesn't have to be a formal gown or a crazy dress, but just, you know, like a little something. It's like, hey, look what I'm doing for you. But on the flip side, uh, you know, and I've had to really learn this is, you know, getting clear on what the other person's love language is. And I know for Michelle's, at least one of her love languages is compliments. And a lot of times, like she would look at him like, oh, she looks good. But I wouldn't always tell her, <laughs> you know, and there's little things. And she's just like, um, hello. So when she would dress up and every once in a while, I'm like, oh, wow, you look really good. She would just melt. And I was like, oh, yeah, I actually need to compliment her a little bit more because that's one of her love languages. And she really loves it. Just like. When like if she comes home, they're like, "Hey, look! By the way, I just backed up your computer for you," and she's like, oh, "Okay." And then she goes right on and like, "Well, well hey, hey, hey!" And I'm like waving some flags. I'm like, "I want a little bit of a I want some acknowledgement here." You know, we love the hero stickers. You know, we love it when we do something right, and you're like, "Cool, you get little stickers that says I'm a hero for the day.'" And and as men, we fucking melt. We want to do something else for you, right? Like yeah, yesterday she brought the car back and it was washed. It was just sitting out there. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to wax the car. And so I literally went out and waxed the car for it. It was a beautiful day. And I was like, hey, I waxed the car. You know, and, I, and, like, and like a little kid, I wanted to show her what I did. So really recognizing what the other person's love language is, is really important. And I, I forget sometimes that just when she goes out of her way to dress up, because a lot of times she's dressing up for herself, but a lot of times she's dressing up for me because she knows it's important to her to, you know, look good on my, on my, um, on my arm when we go someplace and, and she wants to look good for me. And so, uh, even though I think it, I have to vocalize it sometimes because it really makes her day, you know, and she doesn't need it, but it goes a long way. And so I just, for me, I had to remind myself of that. And I think that's a muscle that if it's not your dominant love language, it's really fucking hard to create that muscle because we think it's always what our love language is. So we try to reciprocate the same type of appreciation for the things that we love, not necessarily for the things that they love. Yeah. That's a really good point. I, I also find I'm kind of a geek with all these profiles and tests and personality tests. And I find it's really helpful for me because I understand somebody. So uh, to me, like numerology, you know, looking at their um, their birth date, their what they're naturally prone to as far as their astrology. Um, I find even like the love languages. There's another answer called the four the four answers, um, which talks about like if you're figurative or literal. Uh, I find like there's all there's the whole um, Myers Briggs, which is a sixteen different personality types. I find like having all those really helps me understand somebody. So if somebody's independent and distant and nonchalant, and I know they're very specific profiles, I can have compassion for where they're at. So again, those are all just little pieces to, to add to it, but I totally agree with that. Yep, absolutely. So we'll go ahead and, and close that out for now. Stay tuned for next week. We look forward to connecting with you guys on the next episode. Much love and deep respect. you enjoyed this show we would be so grateful if you left a review on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts this helps us out immensely thank you so much 
Are you ready to take your personal, relational or business fulfillment to the next level? With one-on-one personal support, co-developed strategies and accountability, Scott and Joshua have the tools, compassion and years of experience helping people just like you live an extraordinary life. Visit masteringfulfillment.com for details.